0: this. What exactly was his job? He had come to work that morning in his regular brown suit, his big collared shirt unbuttoned at the neck, and his blue tie knotted at half-mast. He didn't bother with stuffy formalities. He was ready to do business. Yet, now she was in his workplace. She couldn't quite make sense of it all, couldn't see what his business was, couldn't fathom what it was he did hear all day. Nothing quite tallied with the story she had been told. She looked over her shoulder at his tiny office. Locked filing cabinets, avocado Olivetti typewriter, piles of envelopes, paper, notebooks, boxes of bulldog clips, rubber bands of assorted sizes. The hard glare of the sun revealed the icing of dust covering all of his accoutrements. She surveyed the room thoughtfully, and in her head she itemised what was there, what she had expected to find, what was missing. Dad, she said, after he had returned from his forty-minute mystery jaunt. What do you do here? He cocked one eyebrow. A bit of this, a bit of that. But what sort of thing keeping an eye on the boats coming in and going out. Why? Why not? She tried a different tack. Where did the boats come from? All over. North America, Scandinavia, sometimes Russia. He put his hands behind his back and stared out the window. The third secretary. It's always the third secretary. The third secretary? What was he going on about? She glanced at Jim, but he seemed distracted, and she decided she could take a risk, ignore his instruction not to touch anything, reached for the enticingly huge and heavy metal cellotape dispenser, pulled off a long stretch, and scrunched it in her hand, forming the sticky ribbon into the shape of an ant. She peeked furtively at her father while she worked. Half expecting him to shout at her, tell her to stop being so wasteful, to leave his things alone, but he wasn't taking any notice of her craft activities. Jim was still eyeing the horizon, lips moving silently, forming unreadable words, incanting some arcane spell. She pulled off another piece of tape. The second ant had been completed and she was beginning to think he really would spend the rest of the day doing nothing but staring and pacing when the walkie-talkie lurking on top of a filing cabinet crackled into life. He leapt over, grabbed it, retreated to a corner, and proceeded to have a conversation with an unseen person somewhere. It was difficult to make out what he was saying. She could hear a lot of swearing, and a lot of laughing, and she vaguely recognised some of the strange words he uttered. Names, foreign names, but they didn't form understandable sentences. None of it really made any sense. She wondered whether he was just mucking about. He was always mucking about. Dad, she said, when he had replaced the radio and they were standing together by the window, watching the moving dots on the ground. Who were you talking to? Harry. Harry, of course, it would be. Harry was Jim's mate. Harry had a broken nose, came from Wales, and you would have to be a bit of a thicko even to think about crossing him. She liked Harry. She knew him quite well because he had a habit of turning up at their house late with Jim, keeping on their settee, reeking of what she would one day identify as the smoky perfume of the pub. Does Harry work here too? Jim grunted confirmation before he turned and grinned in his skew sort of way that told her he was about to embark on one of his extended jokes and she had better look out for her cues if she wanted to keep up with him. Harry is a second man at Tilbury, he said. She asked the obvious. Well, if Harry is a second man, who is the first man? Me, of course. I'm the first man and Harry is my second man. Is there anyone else? Nope, there are only two of us. It's just Harry and me.